Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We can't afford to let the devil dictate the agenda. Now, when the devil dictates the agenda, what does it look like? What are some attributes of it? Anxiety. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Anxiety. All right, one second, one second. Anxiety. Fear. Discouragement. Confusion. Yeah, I love that one. Confusion. You guys are really on to this. Hopelessness. I can't spell. Somewhere in there. Add an S, add an E. Um, uh, so uh, paralysis. What was the last one? Anger. Oh, yeah. What else? What's that? Isolation. Ooh, run away! What else? Control. Division. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I heard that. Uh huh. Lies. But they feel so true. What else? What? What is it? Chaos. Chaos. All right. Okay, before we all go to hell together. Let's just stop with this menu. When the enemy begins to tell you his plans, this is the fruit. Can anything good come from these? But if this is my starting place, this is where I'll end. Anybody here dug into anxiety and discovered peace? (laughs) Let's meditate on anxiety for a little while. How, you know, I grew up in a family where the goal was to find out all the ways you might die. You know what I mean? Just to prevent, preventative, right? Anybody found that's an unlimited list? So when we start with the problem, we're already going to lose. We're already going to lose. We have to start with he who is the solution. All right. So guys, if you guys remember, keep that in mind, by the way. That's like a, a I don't know, a spoiler alert or something. Anyway, um, we're going through the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And I, last week, I triggered you all so badly, I'm shocked that you guys came back. Honestly, congratulations, you made it. I was so triggered by your triggers that normally the Lord has me listen to the message like either on Sunday or Monday, because what I speak and what you hear are two totally different things. And I usually get saved when I hear the message. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you are God. You somehow did something through me. Uh, and I, many times I'm shocked. And, uh, but I was terrified to listen to the message because I, what I saw in y'all's face last week, I was afraid. And I only listened to it on Friday and then I got saved. Um, by the way, delaying listening to Jesus is never a good idea. But the reason we were all triggered was about half the room was afraid that we would deal with sin. Right? No? Okay, I'm not going to trigger you again, easy tiger. Uh, half the room was afraid that we would deal with sin, and the other half was afraid we wouldn't. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, half of us, because both sides, we're both impressed with the power of sin to cause and wreak havoc in our lives. And the reality is that starting with the problem. The Bible is not primarily about sin. It's primarily about a good God pursuing his people. 
and restoring us to unity with him and unity with one another. That's the message of the Bible. Anybody thought it was all about sin? Anybody grow up in a church where it was all about sin? Listen, it's all about sin in that when a bug hits your windshield wiper, hit the wash, you know, hit, turn on the wipers. You know, get it off the windshield so you can see straight. Yeah, it's in the way. Get it out of the way, but it's not the point. And so we deal with it, but not because it's the point, but because get it out of the way. So we're going we're gonna to dive in. And I mentioned the great thing about 1 Corinthians is the city of Corinth had way more issues than us. Anybody been encouraged because somebody else is more messed up than you? You know what I'm talking about? You're like, we can hang out. I feel good about myself, right? You're going to love the Corinthians. They're your people, okay? Uh, you know, oh, I feel so sorry for you. So we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Why are we starting at the beginning? Because it's the beginning. All right. Don't make it complicated. Also, just a little side point. I, I realize something. I probably teach different than anybody you've heard, and it's because of this fundamental thing. I don't need to twist the text to say something. I believe the text is enough on its own. My goal is to help you read the text for yourself. That's why I don't like skipping over verses, and that's why I don't like pulling verses out of context. I want you to recognize that the God wants to open this word for you. All right. I believe, and if I'm wrong about something, you guys can always challenge me because the word will always be right. All right. Paul called to be an apostle. That means an apostle is someone who carries the culture. In the ancient, in the, in the, in the Roman world, there was a general apostolos, a general apostle who was sent by Rome to bring the culture of Rome to a captured city. In other words, I've been sent out by God to bring the culture of heaven, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Who is Sosthenes? The brother. That's so helpful, isn't it? <laughs> Anybody had a question when you're reading the text? Listen, if you don't understand something and you don't ask questions, how are you ever going to get answers? So I was like, who's Sosthenes? So you know what I did? I Googled. Or you can look in your concordance. There's only one other place where Sosthenes shows up, and it was in the chapter we read last week, Acts chapter 18. We can pull that up. Verse uh, 6, uh, 18. Oh, I didn't, maybe I didn't put it in there. 18, verse 6 and 7. He says that Sosthenes, when Paul was about to open his mouth to defend himself against the proconsul, you remember Gallo? And he was being in, he was, they, they, uh, the proconsul said, I'm not listening to you. Praise God, God shut up Paul's mouth. And instead, the people turned and beat up the head of the synagogue, whose name was Sosthenes. Anybody want to know the story in between then and now? Sosthenes was Paul's number one enemy. And now he's his number one ally. What if that's what God wants to do in your life? What if the, you know, one of the things the Lord keeps telling me, he keeps saying, stop surrendering people. Stop giving up people. That you, they may say they're your enemy. I love what Paul, Paul says, we were never but enemies of God in our own minds. You know what it takes? It takes two to tango. You might be my enemy, but hey, I can't be bothered. Right? I won't let you be my enemy because I know Jesus died for you. And the gospel that, that Sosthenes rejected the point of being beat up by his own people now is the gospel that Sosthenes receives. Probably because Paul kept his mouth shut, but that's another issue. 
Selah. Sometimes the gospel is better not preached. Nobody got that? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, anyway, moving on. All right, verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, right? So the church of God in Corinth. So if we can pull up those maps, I know I'm doing this out of order. Um, so you guys remember, Paul did this whole tour. He, he visited all these churches, got beat up, you know, went to the Areopagus, tried to switch it up, tried to be culturally relevant, tried to try it with the philosophy. And he fled from Athens, having been very, not much success, and comes to Corinth. And the city of Corinth is this unique city. It's been one of the richest areas because of geography. I said 10 miles. It's, a, it's on a four and a half mile isthmus. And, and it's a made up of three cities, one on either coast and then a city uh, overlooking it. And these three cities together make up Corinth. And basically, they just charge money for people, all the trade passing from Rome to the east and all the trade going from Athens to Sparta and vice versa. They just sat there and just made money. But Rome destroyed them in uh, 144 B.C., uh, so for they had been like six centuries really wealthy. Rome destroyed them. And then Rome replanted the city in 40, wait, it was 146 BC. They were destroyed. 44 BC, they were replanted by Julius Caesar, of all people, as a Roman city. And they eventually became a very wealthy town. But because they were starting from scratch, it was a boom town, kind of like San Francisco or something like that. So it's all these immigrants coming in trying to make a buck. Uh, anybody know what the morals of the Wild West were? This is the Wild West. This is, this is, and it's, and it's a sailor's town. It's, it's a mess. They had tr- temples to everything, uh, prostitution galore, uh, people on business trips, uh, morals minus. There was a Jewish community there, but not very big. All right. So to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be his holy people, together with all those who everywhere call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Gosh, I keep missing something. Um, Guys, something you need to understand about this Bible is this is about real people who live just like you and me. They had real issues and they walked it out. Language might at times be a little odd, but it's really just as real. We know, this is an amazing thing. You remember that proconsul? His name was Gallius. We actually have evidence of a letter from Emperor Claudius to him. And so we can date the fact that Paul was there in like 51 AD, about 100 years after the founding of the city. He was there for a year and a half or so. And then he goes on to Ephesus and he is writing back to the people in Corinth, probably in about somewhere between 53 and 55 AD. They'd had a year or two to work out the gospel and discovered problems. Anybody done that? Anybody? Like you got saved and you're like, this is everything. I need nothing more than Jesus. I need nothing more than Jesus. And then it all went south. No? Okay. All right. Anyway, so it went south, right? And it usually goes south from living together, right? From from being in community. Not for you? You have no problems with other people, ever. Okay. All right. Just curious. All right. So, huh. He says, so he writes to the, the people, the people in court, to those sanctified. What's that tense for you English people? Past tense. Completed action. When were they sanctified? On the cross. Who did it? Jesus. When did he sanctify them? On the cross. Come on. Come on. He was sanctified on the cross. 
See, it's not by our efforts, is it? Who sanctified it? Come on. All right. In Christ Jesus, called to be, in other words, God designed them, he, he caused them to be birthed in order to be his people, set apart, his holy people, his pure people, his lovely people. Holy means that you look like God. Together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. And that, what does he say to them? Grace, that's the power of God to do the will of God, and peace to you. Peace is the results of grace, which is abundance in your health, your life, your provision, your relationships in every area of your life. Anybody need grace and peace? That's why I love how he starts with that. He's like, it's all him. He said, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. One, verse one, verse four, I always thank my God. Always? Always? For you, because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. He's writing this letter to deal with some problems. Anybody here, your gratitude evaporates when you're dealing with other people's mess? Blink twice. <laughs> they won't know. I promise. They won't know. People are like, I don't want to make eye contact. Right? Okay. No. Th this is the thing. Ver he says. He says. He says that he thanks God always. Because, not because of their issues, not because of their problem, but because of God's grace given to you in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is more confident in God's grace given to the Corinthian people who are standing in a pile of doo-doo than he is in their doo-doo. What we are impressed with, we empower. That's why I said, when we start impressed with other people's sin, all we do is end up empowering other people's sin. For in him you have been enriched. What does that mean? Past tense, already done. Have been, completed action. You have already been enriched in how many ways? Here, can we pull up that verse? It's verse five. Wow. Oh, we pulled in the wrong one. That's why. It's the other one. That's fine. You guys have Bibles. If you don't, you lose. Sorry, no shame, no balloon. I'm not impressed with your lack of Bible Yeah, if you can, that'd be amazing. It should be in the downloads. Um, it should be, instead of intro, it should be number one, 1 Corinthians. So anyway, it might already be in there. I screwed it up. It was all me, by the way. I did this. I claim it. All right. For, you're not impressed. <laughs> Just totally sidelined. But anybody here, you've confessed a really bad sin that you thought was really, really horrible, and the people looked at you like, and that's all you got to say for yourself? <laughs> How encouraging is that? You're like, I thought for sure we were done. I thought for sure you'd be shocked and horrified, and you're like, oh, we've known for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so good. All right, okay. Uh, anybody been shamed into righteousness? Did that work for you? No? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Okay. For you have been enriched in every way. What does every mean, by the way? It means all. Again, all, every. Are there exclusions to every? Okay. You've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. Interesting. Anybody feel like you might be missing some of that knowledge? You wish you had? Paul puts it another way. He says a little bit later in this book, he said, you have been given the mind of Christ. 
Do you think the mind of Christ, do you think Christ's mind would be relatively intelligent? Might have all mysteries and knowledge and understanding? Just because you have something doesn't mean you've accessed it. But if you don't think you have it, you'll never access it. Enriched with all, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. I'll give you a hint why he's saying this. Because they keep, just like the Galatians, keep getting tricked out of their grace and joy by slick preachers and teachers. For just $9.99, you can buy my three-part series that will provide you with the steps. To, do you know what I'm talking about? And he's like, guys, listen. I'm, and so he's talking to people. Some of them were former bums. Others were prostitutes, alcoholics. Some more were super smart people. But he's like, guys, guys, you keep, um, giving in to smarter people than you when you have been given all wisdom and knowledge in Christ. Anybody here been made to feel dumb in church? No, no. You have Holy Spirit. All right. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. In other words, that Christ is enough. Therefore, you do not lack any any, any spiritual gift. Spiritual, that doesn't just mean like flu, froofy. I don't know about you. I read that the first time. And I'm like, yay. Like, I don't know. That's like somebody gave me a, a cloud. Like, I have this spiritual gift. No, in their world, spiritual meant real. It meant the fundamental reality that is behind a thing. It's like more real than this stuff. He said, in other words, it's if you have the real, then you have all of it. Thus, you may not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await. Do you feel the tension? You don't lack it, but you're waiting for it. Anybody living in that tension? Right? I don't lack, but... So let me put it a different way. Imagine, draw us a picture. Um, so imagine you're waiting on a present. A present. You're waiting on, uh, you know, a. you're going to get a car on graduation day. Thankfully, my daughter's not here to get the wrong impression. <laughs> you're going to get a car on graduation. You're waiting for it. It is essentially yours, and yet you don't have it yet. So you decide to go out and steal a car. You're going to end up losing the car you actually already have. We have all things in Christ, and yet we have not yet unwrapped every present. We'll get there. He said, and th remember, this is where he started. He's not starting with their sin. He's starting with the fact you already have all things. Who here in the waiting have done some stupid thing? Who here? In fact, I would submit every single sin starts from the lie that you don't have what you need. And it's up to you to get it. And so he starts with, you've got everything. And if you know that, you're already going to be less dumb. Therefore, you do not like, okay, he said, as you're waiting for our Lord Jesus to be revealed, in other words, for the full manifestation of who God is to show up in your life. Anybody want that? I found for myself, when I take over, he doesn't show up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, I'll take the wheel, Lord. Whenever you want to, just tag in. He's like, oh, 
He will also keep you firm to the end. It's not even up to you to hold firm. Anybody feel like you're like, I'm holding, I'm holding. Scott and I have been talking about this whole thing. It's like, it's so crazy. He says, to, when all you can do to stand, stand. And you're like, I'm standing. And he's like, no, 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 do it in my power. How do I do that? I'm like, how do I trust in you? And it's still your power working in me. Trust that I hold you. Trust that I hold you. You know, one of the things, um, have you ever had a child that you save out of the water? And you're holding them tightly, but they hold you tighter still and try to choke you out, right? That, that's the thing is, is he is holding you, trusting that he is the one who's holding you. So that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not even our job to stay blameless. He's the one who wants to hold us. Let him hold us. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship, intimacy, union, life, relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who is faithful? God is faithful. It's not our job to hold on to God. God is holding on to us. But anybody lost Jesus by running and looking for him? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I can't feel you. I'll run over here. Maybe you're over here. Maybe you're over there. God's like, uh, yep. <laughs> Where is God? Where you be. Stop, look, and listen. All right. Verse 10. So now we're getting to the good part. He's going to start dealing with sin. Aren't you excited? Nobody's excited. <laughs> I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. Okay, that's just that. No, no, no. How hard is that, do you think? Impossible. Agree with one another. You know, we can't even agree about lunch. Forget about it. Agree with one another in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's come back to this. That all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you. Praise God the church has never been divided in its 2,000 years since the last three minutes ago. There's probably been 12 church splits since we've been talking. Just saying. No division, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Okay, guys, I'm going to, I'm again, spoiler alert. By the time we get chapter five, you're going to find some really juicy sins. I mean, they're awesome. You'll feel so good about yourself. Why in the world does Jesus start with division? He, I mean, Jesus, Paul, over in Roman, over in Galatians 5, do you guys remember he talks about the deeds of the flesh, verse 519, right before he goes to the fruit of the Spirit? You know what he puts right up there with all these horrible things? Divisions. Quarreling. I'm not divided. You're just wrong. Right? So, so what happens is you've got all of these people, right? And they're all divided into different groups, right? All the different groups, and they're all divided up. And, and he's like, guys, 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 the first thing he wants to deal with is division. Why? Why did Jesus come? We, why did he die? What did he tell us in John chapter 17? That you may be one, even as I and the Father are one. In fact, the lie that I am separated from him, what will separate us from the love of Christ? 
God and Christ Jesus, nothing. And the lie that you and I have been separated is what is the root of all the other problems. That's why he starts with this one. Uh, we were talking as men. I, oh, oh, maybe I'm not allowed to say that. We, we men, what happens at men's arise stays at men's arise. I'll just say this. I won't say what we said. I'll just say, I asked the question, anybody here done anything dumb while you're by yourself? Remember Eve? You know? All right. That was close. That was close. Yeah, the guys were about to take me out. They're, they're literally like, so many times people are like, really, really, what happened? I can't tell you. I can't tell you, or we'd have to kill you. All right. Okay, no, that's not true. That's not true. This is how things get taken out of context. All right. All right. He says, I appeal to you. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have tattled on you. I love that. I love that. Oh, even outs Chloe's family. Any, any, uh, well. That there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. Some of you say, I follow Paul. Some of you say, I follow Apollos. I can't spell his name. Some say, I follow Cephas. You guys remember who Cephas was? Peter. That's another name. That's the Greek version of Peter. Or another version. That's the Aramaic version of Peter, which Peter's the Greek version. Anyway. It, and then finally, another says, I follow Christ. You know why they said, I follow Christ? Is they already figured out these were the wrong answer and they want to get a star. <laughs> Anybody done that? You're like, actually don't believe it, but you know what the right answer is, Jesus. Right? And so, you know, we've got all these different groups. Now, Paul is the guy who planted, right? And so who followed Paul? It was the faithful people. You know what I mean? They're like, who are my faithful people? Like, even when you're wrong, you're going to stay faithful. Even when you're wrong, you're going to stay loyal. Like, these are the loyal people. Now, we know from other places like Ephesians and, and Acts that Apollos was a brainiac. He was super smart. He had been studying in Alexandria, and he was a great preacher. So these were our teacher pe teacher's pet people. So these people are like, oh my gosh, have you heard the latest revelation? Right? These are the revelatory people, right? You, do you have a friend? They always have a new revelation every time you turn around. They're like, oh my gosh, have you read this book? It will change your life. I thought about the book I haven't even read yet that you gave me. Yeah, forget that. Move on, right? Like, okay, these are teacher's pet people. All right, Cephas is Peter. Peter is like the, remember, he's the, the, he's the rock, but he's the Jew. He's, a, he's like the, you know, hey, man, we just got to get back to our roots, man. Jew, yeah, be a good Jew, yeah. You know, and you knew what a great Jew Peter was. So, you know, I mean, but, but still, like, he was like part of the Jewish group. Right? He was the head of the church in, kind of in, 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 um, in uh, Jerusalem. And it's like, listen, go all in. And, you know, it's like, forget this. Uh, anybody here been in an argument and you start, like, getting a competition on who's, who's, um, who you're appealing to is, has more authority over the other? No? No. This is, like, the people who really like authority. They like, they like you know, like, you know what? And I will call you, huh? History, authority. But they're like, I call you and I raise you, right? I got, I got a Peter here for you. And then there's people who are like, I just want to be right. No matter what, just I want to be right, and I know the right answer is Jesus, right? You wouldn't think that being a group that follows Jesus would be a division. 
You wouldn't think that there would be in a group that follows Jesus. I, okay, I'm going to try to explain this. I don't guarantee that I have all the answers. I know that's a shock. Okay. Okay, stay with me. Why would there be a problem that one of the groups follows Jesus? Let me show you. It's a magic trick. All right. First of all, let me break down. You guys ever heard the word ecumenical? Ecumenicalism is we have unity because of a lowest common denominator. Right? Like, well, we're all Christians, right? You know, and so sometimes you include Mormons, sometimes you include Jehovah's Witnesses, sometimes you kick them out. We're all Christians. Sometimes you keep the Catholics in, sometimes you kick them out. You know what I'm talking about? Well, we're all Christians, okay? Uh, only charismatics. Only, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? You figure out your lowest common denominator. We believe in God. Wow, that is super low. Like, that is low-hanging fruit, right? This is lowest, this is ecumenical. Huh? A higher power. Yes, 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 a higher power. Let's go lower. Let's go lower still. Like, how low can you go? If we can just lower the bar, eventually we'll all be one. Anybody found that doesn't actually manifest as unity? Okay. Here's the problem. Is following Christ is still over against these. It's still attacking these. It's still in response to these. Because God has called us to a higher unity. Now that I got your attention, let's find out what Paul says about this. Is Christ divided? So one of the things I think what he's trying to say is this group over here has cast these groups into outer darkness. No? Anybody here, you're right, you know you're right, and you revel in their wrongness? I, I, I thought I was with the honest people. No, no. Like, literally, like, I can't go with you because you are this lie. I've never done that personally. I've heard about it. It's horrible. Right? Like, literally, they are more impressed with their attempt to be divided than they are with the unity that Jesus has paid for. I cannot afford to be impressed with your sin or I will not be impressed with Christ in you, the hope of glory, and be able to partner with you against that sin. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say they were baptized in my name. And I love this. This is the evidence. By the way, this whole book was voice texted as evidenced by the next verse. Oh, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. He literally dictated this. And, like, you even get that feel, don't you? He's like, oh, man, oh. And they didn't have, like, you know, whiteout back then. So the guy's, like, writing, da, 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 and Paul's like, oh, no, forget that. And the guy's like, I already wrote it. Listen, listen, this this is expensive parchment, okay? I love, I just, I love how real it is. He's like, no, no. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence. Remember what he tried in, in Athens? Wisdom and eloquence. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. See, it's not about teams. It's about the cross of Christ. Our unity is the cross of Christ. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. I thought that was foolish for a while. 
because I thought I had the gospel figured out. The further I get into the gospel, the more I discover my ability to convey it is so inadequate. What I mentioned earlier about being at the bottom is an amazing place because you suddenly discover he's been there all along. Coming to understand the gospel is this moment. Um, years ago, I, I took a bunch of inner city boys to um, this place called Red River Gorge where we have 23 natural arches, and we did rappelling off a natural arch, 120 feet high. Now, the problem with that is most rappelling, you walk down the wall. The problem with this is there's no wall to walk down. So right, you literally go back, go back, go back. Anybody repelled, you go back, and there's this moment where you have to let go. Now, I'm a stud. I'm the adult here. I don't have a problem. Frozen. Frozen. I'm telling my hands, let go. My hands are like, no. No. We will live and not die. No. You don't get to make decisions. That affects all of us. We are not on board with that. It was the weirdest thing. I'm just sitting there going, we're letting go. We're letting go. Letting go. Letting go. I, I still don't know how I let go that first time. I let go and I'm like, ah! oh, they said when you do this, it stops and it does. Go figure. And then, but still, the next time I was, when I had to let go again to let myself down, I was like, you know, it stopped me. Ah! It does. And then I gained confidence. The problem is you can tell somebody that they're going to feel that. But the moment of letting go, it feels like you're dying. That is the gospel. Jesus is not anything until he's everything. Until he is our everything. As long as we still have some ability to white knuckle it, a some degree of which we can protect our public image, until there's, he is not our everything. Many of us have lived in church our whole lives and we've never known him in this way. But you only find out he's holding you when you let go. And what Paul is saying is, guys, see, each of these are actually focused on what's the problem you're trying to deal with. Everything is in the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Telling someone to let go when they're hanging off a cliff sounds like insanity. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and in the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. That's another side passage, but that's Isaiah 29. It's a great passage. But anyway, so he says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom didn't know him. You guys remember all those Pharisees? You study the scriptures because you think in them, you have eternal life. And here I'm standing in front of you and you can't even recognize me. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign. So, uh, so uh, come over to our school. We're going to teach you how to do the supernatural stuff. Right? I've, I've fallen down that pit where the goal is supernatural signs. No, Jesus said these signs will do what? Those who believe, trust. Those who trust in the cross, the automatic result will be signs and wonders. It's not a technique. It's not a skill. 
It's not something you impress other people with. They are there to impress people with Christ. Greeks demand wisdom. They look for wisdom. Oh, show me something. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. In other words, not very impressive. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, is stronger. Uh, It said, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, verse 26, think of what you were before when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, (laughs) a.k.a. you don't. (laughs) Wow, I feel encouraged. Thank you. Okay. Who here, you, when you came to Jesus the first time, you knew what a complete waste of space you were. Like, that's why you came to Jesus. No? I I submit to you, if you haven't figured out that apart from him you have nothing, you have yet to actually receive the fullness of what the gospel is about. He is our everything. And literally, this is why over and over again, it is the poor, the weak, the losers who get into the kingdom ahead of the rich, the wealthy, the wise. That's why the rich young ruler went away. And he said, but but anybody found that if you're in the kingdom very long, you start to look pretty good. Uh, it's interesting. In Latin America, they discovered that simply by accepting the gospel, you instantaneously went up one whole socioeconomical strata. You know, you quit wasting on booze and prostitutes and everything else, and suddenly you stayed home with your kids, and suddenly you're halfway to middle class. But the thing is, Anybody here, you started to glory in what God had done in you as if it was you? No? Just a little bit? I am all that. I'm so glad you recognize. I am kind of wise. One of the dumbest things I've done is I, the Lord just kept telling me, Peter, you keep getting in trouble because when people ask you questions, you answer them. Ever had God tell you something and you're like, I'm fairly confident I don't even understand the question? Well, like, I, is there a question? What's the problem here? They came to me for a question. I had the answer. And he said, you didn't point them to me who is the answer. You thought you were the source of all wisdom and knowledge. When you put it like that, it sounds bad. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Again, suddenly you have fruit in your life that's supernatural. Maybe you're doing better at your job. Maybe you get a promotion. Anybody here been promoted and you're like, finally, you recognize how awesome I am. God's like. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolishness of this things of this world to shame the wise. Which, by the way, he can only shame the wise if it's revealed how foolish we are. Like, in other words, his glory is only revealed when it's revealed the canvas of silliness that it's on top of. He used the, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify those things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Who him? Jesus. Because of Jesus, you're in Jesus. Because of him. Who sanctified you? Who enriched you? Who gave you all things? 
Him, 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 him. Who made you? Him. Who designed you? Him. Who graded, gave you a destiny, a future, and a hope? Him. What do I get to glory in that? Like, what do I get to take credit for? Like, it's like, it's like you know, you remember those old publisher clearinghouse checks or, or like the lottery. Like, they hand you this big check. Your job, hold out hands. Wow. I mean, you, have you ever seen those videos where people actually, they, they tell their strategy for winning the lottery? You know how the lottery works, right? You can't have a strategy to win the lottery. That's not how it works unless you are a criminal. I'm not saying that. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus for you who has become for us wisdom from God. You have the mind of Christ. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. It's him, 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 him. How? Through the cross of Christ. Through the cross of Christ. What he has done for us, through it and it alone. This is the place where we have unity. This and this alone. When we allow any of these things to divide us, we have rendered the cross null and void. And that's when all the problems start. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. When we make, when we make anything more important than the cross of Christ, we make anything else the source other than the cross of Christ, we've already missed the point. When we make it techniques, or having the right knowledge or right pedigree or keeping the feasts or whatever, or we make it about, you know, I've been here the longest, or about being right, we make it about those things. We start to actually act as if he has not made us one. Our unity is made possible by him. It is not achieved by us. It is by simply agreeing with who he says we are. Because his, no, we have everything we need for life and godliness, Peter tells us. Through what? Through the knowledge of him who called us. In Christ, we have all things. If there is anything of value you see in my life, it's because Christ put it here. Can I glory in that? Can I take any credit for that? If in any way something you hear resonates with truth, it's God. If not, who, who did it? it? It probably came from it came from me. I can claim that. Like the only parts I can claim are the parts that don't matter. <laughs> How can I have pride in that? How can I have pride in that? But also, suddenly, I start to recognize He died for you in the same way. He died that I'm not impressed with your sin. I'm impressed with who He He says you are, who He paid a price for you to be, and I'm calling you back to who you are. I'm impressed with his ability to save. I'm impressed with his ability to deliver you from sin. I'm not impressed with your demons or your sin. I'm not impressed with any of these things. I don't start with the problem. I start with the solution. And in him, I have all things. You guys have heard, I've said it before, the story of how we had a, a guy uh, dead on the street in Russia, passed out, swallowed his tongue, heroin addiction, 45 minutes dead, skin hard, like wax gray. And you don't want to know my technique for raising the dead? <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> yeah, Masha's trying to call 911. It's not working. And I'm just going, Jesus! I'm praying in your tongues. I'm just, ah! And I remember afterwards, I was like, okay, 
Because then we had somebody die a little later. And I was like, okay, what was the technique? Yeah, what did I do right? I did nothing right. I just said yes to Jesus. I received that check. But I've got to say it again. As as long as I'm glorying in anything other than the cross of Christ, I'm glorying in my own effort, I'm glorying in my pedigrees, I'm glorying in my knowledge of the Greek or the Hebrew, or my knowledge of the feasts or anything else, or my or how long I've been in a place or anything I have done, I've missed the point, and I'm actually building a wedge of disunity between you and me. We're going to get to deal with a lot of sins in the coming weeks. It's going to be fun. Really, seriously. Don't worry. You won't want to miss it. But I want to say this. If we are walking in our unity, if we each, one of the things the Lord told me years ago, he said, every solution you need is within arm's length of the cross. So don't leave it. If you and I will gather around the cross, we'll find that most of the issues we've been dealing with will evaporate and disappear in the light of his glory and grace. And so what I would I would just ask is that maybe over the coming weeks, instead of us being impressed with sin, we would allow God to bring us back to the unity in Christ, that we would repent from every way that we've allowed God to divide us from our brothers and sisters. God has not allowed that. I did. That was me. I don't even know how that language... Anyway, that we would repent of the ways that we've allowed the enemy to divide us that we standing in judgment of one another as we've as we've cast stones at one another as we have, have as we have accused one another as we've been impressed with the things that are not as they're supposed to be anybody has the gift of helping people understand where they're not who they no i won't be impressed with those things instead i will be impressed with who god says you are and so lord i just ask right now that you would move on our hearts we could have the worship team come Lord, I ask that you would come in any way that we have partnered with division, we have partnered with separation, we have gloried in anything other than the cross. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory. Lord, if you could, if we could stand. Father, I ask right now, if any of us have not yet actually discovered that you are the God who is worthy of our trust, that we would let go today. We discover in the gospel is what everything we need for life and godliness. That in you, we have all things. That you're the one who, out of that place, you restore marriages, you restore friendships, you restore bodies and companies, families. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We believe. Help our unbelief. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.